Opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hour, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Lloyd, today our show is about privacy in the afterlife, and that is not something we've talked about before. But I was reading this great article in the Daily Journal called, and the name of it was, In the Age of Email, Online Privacy in the Afterlife. And so um, I found this article. I thought it was fascinating, and I invited Carl Zabo to join us. He is... um, I'm going to tell you all about him right now. He is policy counsel uh, for NetChoice, and you can find out more about him, obviously, at our website at KUCI.org slash privacypiracy and netchoice.org. But let me tell you a little bit about him. Carl, um, as policy counsel, Carl analyzes tech-related legislative and regulatory initiatives which are relevant to online uh, companies. And he monitors and analyzes federal and state legislation, including online taxation and privacy issues. And before joining NetChoice, Carl was an intellectual property attorney at the law firm of Wildman, Harold, Allen, and Dixon, where he advised clients on privacy, internet, e-commerce, and contractual matters. And he also worked at the law firms of Venable and Arnold and Porter. Before law school, Carl started at the Federal Trade Commission on the staff of the Commission uh, Commissioner Orwin, Orson Swindle, where he helped create and implement the FTC's Consumer Information Security Outreach Plan, and he assisted the White House in establishing the National Strategy for Cybersecurity. So you can find out more about him, as I said, at netchoice.org. And we're going to find out more about what the great work he's doing. And he's coming to us all the way from beautiful Washington, D.C. So thank you, Carl, for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mary. Well, this is um, a, an interesting subject about privacy in the afterlife, isn't it? What basically happens to our digital accounts when we die right now today? Well, today, Mari, when you die, the privacy choices that you make in life are respected when you pass. And different service providers have different ways of handling the digital afterlife. And Facebook, for example, is a real name system. So when, Mari, you signed up for your Facebook account, 
you had to use your real name. And one of the things that Facebook prides itself on is, is that real name system. So they don't want people making posts from beyond the grave or people acting as impersonators of others. So when you die, yeah. what Facebook does is they freeze your account. They freeze your privacy preferences and your privacy settings exactly where they were just before you passed. And what that means is, Mary, if, uh, sorry, Mari, if you allowed your best friend to see all of your photos, your best friend can continue to see all of your photos. Mm-hmm. However, if you denied people who are not your friends from seeing those photos, that privacy setting continues on into the afterlife. Google has what's called their inactivity account manager. It's a relatively new feature, and every Gmail and, and Google user can activate it today, and they can go in and set specifically what happens to their digital accounts when they die. The way I have it set up today, for example, is I have everything transferred to my brother, and then I ask Google to delete everything. Hmm. Likewise, I could have everything transferred to my brother and keep the account open, or finally, I can have everything deleted and not send that information out to anyone. And finally, Yahoo kind of goes in, in a very privacy-centric and privacy-focused approach where when you die, they delete everything, and that way their users can rest assured that their most private, sensitive communications are not accessible to anyone else when they die. Mm. So it, it's a difficult balance between privacy and the needs of the bereaved when you die. But the good news is online service providers are taking really innovative steps to address this issue and develop new technologies and new tools to allow consumers to, to control what happens to their privacy and their content after they pass. Yeah. Now, you said in your article that if the trust in a state bar gets its way, electronic communications are no longer private when you die. So what is that? What's all that about? So that's a great question. And I've been working on this issue for well over two years now. And as people move more and more of their lives into the online space, this question becomes even greater. And Trust and estates attorneys, those are the people who wrap up your estate when you die. They are the executors, the fiduciaries, the attorneys that you go and have draft a will. And what they're accustomed to doing is when you die, they go to your desk and they sweep everything into a box. And they sift through that box and figures out, figure out what's pertinent, what's not, and what goes to whom. And that's what they're accustomed to. But when it comes to accessing our emails, our tweets, and our, our uh, posts, that access isn't quite what they have come to expect. Mm-hmm. And so what they'd much rather do is just be able to go into your account, Mari, and just rifle through all of your emails and rifle through all of your photo- online photographs. And mm. from a privacy guy, that, that really scares me. Yes. For a couple of reasons. I mean, the thing is, our online communications are funda- fundamentally different from a letter that we have in a shoebox. Right. Now, the fiduciaries and the trust and estates attorneys are, are accustomed to getting access to those letters in a shoebox. But how often have we sent an instant message to a friend saying, oh, man, my, my wife was a real pain in the butt this morning. Right. 
we, make, we use those instant communications to blow off steam. And we treat them with a type of immediacy that somebody who sits down to pen a letter doesn't quite have. And the last thing I want is when, you know, when I die and somebody goes to give my eulogy, rather than giving fond farewells, they instead, I de- you know, suddenly see all of these blowing off steam messages that I have the tendency to send. Or, by the same token, one of the other things that's often forgotten in, with respect to these communications is the person with whom I am communicating. Right. So if I am sending an email to my brother and I die, my wife gets to read that email. Well, there may be very personal and sensitive information about my brother in that email that he may not want my wife to see. Right. Or imagine, uh, you know, a a person who dies and their parents get to read all of the emails that they were sending to their sibling. Right. These are are private communications. They're very private, and we need to respect those privacy choices that people make in life. So what the Trust and Estates Bars would like to do and have successfully gotten passed in Delaware is setting the default privacy to zero when you die. So, mm. Mari, as, as I was mentioning earlier, with respect to Facebook, for example, if you didn't want anyone other than your best friend to see your photographs and you set up your Facebook privacy settings that way, well, unfortunately, if the trust and estates bar gets their way, they get to see everything. Mm. Hmm. And, and especially in a much more privacy-centric, privacy-focused America in which we live, this is really starting to rub many of us the wrong way. And so that's why online services are looking to develop new tools to do this and new tools to address this rather than just saying, give everything away. Yeah. And I'm thinking as for me, for example, I use my Mari at marifrank.com. I use that as a public email, but I do attorney client communications, nothing, you know, anything that's sensitive, I encrypt so people wouldn't be able to have access to it. But, but basically little things that even my clients might say to me in those emails would be attorney client privilege. So I wouldn't even want someone else to see those, you know? Right. And so, uh, uh, you know, you're you're a good actor. So when you receive those emails, they're encrypted. Right. When I but send them, but if there are multiple right. clients on those emails, and one of them happens to die, right? Then perhaps there are people who shouldn't have access to those emails now suddenly do. Right. Right. So can you explain a little bit about the existing laws that govern our online privacy a little bit more? Yeah. It, Great question. And, and, you know, it may not sound like it, given, you know, it, that we're living in a post-Noden era, but the limitations on what law enforcement can access from online service providers has been around for 28 years. There's a federal law, it's called ECPA. It's the Electronic Communications Privacy Act, and, and I like to refer to it as a 28-year-old law that is 30 years out of date. <laughs> Yep. And this law forbids online service providers 
from disclosing the electronic communications they store without lawful consent. Now, for example, when it comes to disclosing to law enforcement, that lawful consent is a court order. So they have to get a, they have to get a court order, also known as warrant, to disclose those contents. Unless but you're the NSA, it, right? <laughs> it, well, exactly. That, that's a whole nother, whole nother issue right there. Right, right. But if you're, you know, if when you die, your fiduciary wants to get access to your account, Mari, then they need lawful consent before, you know, let's say Yahoo can disclose the contents of your Yahoo Mail account. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is a very strong protection on your privacy. Right. And... Congress felt so strongly about this, the importance of this privacy that when they wrote the law, they said that if an online service provider, and by online service provider I mean your Googles, your Facebooks, your AOLs, your Yahoos, you know, the, the people with whom you use for your online communications, right. if they disclose this content without lawful consent, then they themselves are liable to anyone who is harmed by that improper disclosure. So, for example, you know, I mentioned earlier, I was having an email with my brother, and my wife now gets to read that. Well, if in that email I say, hey, Aaron, my my brother, Aaron, I'll meet you at the beach. I'm bringing your anxiety meds, and I'm bringing Steve's heart medication. Mm -hmm. Well, now both Aaron and Steve have a cause of action against the online service provider, Yahoo, if mm-hmm. there's an unlawful disclosure of that email. Uh, uh-huh. So both Aaron and Steve have now had personal health information shared with somebody who would not otherwise have that information. Right. So this is the very high bar, and this is the very stiff penalty that online service providers face for wrongful disclosures. And that's how the online privacy world kind of operates today. Now, as I said, it requires lawful consent to make such a disclosure. Now, the simple act of dying is not necessarily lawful consent. Right. That's that's, that's pretty pretty well understood amongst the the very high-paid lawyers at, at these online service providers with whom I work. And... So what they're doing is they're allowing users to make granular choices. So as I mentioned earlier, the Google Inactivity Manager would constitute that lawful consent for transferring the information over to my brother when I die. Right. The terms of service into which you enter could also represent that lawful consent. And then, since many of your audience members are probably thinking to themselves, oh my gosh, going to happen to my stuff when I die, one of the steps that they can take is to explicitly put into their wills the name of their online accounts right. and state explicitly to whom those accounts may be, uh, the contents may be given to. Right. So in my will, for example, I have it explicitly written that carl.zaboyahoo.com will go to my brother. And that is is a good avenue for all people to look at. Right. But Or you can just with, say, I want it deleted. 
Right. That's exactly it, too. Yeah. And yeah. if you want it deleted, that is a fantastic way to protect those communications. As I mentioned earlier, just imagine somebody giving a eulogy at, at your funeral, and rather than saying how wonderful a person Mari is, they instead start reading these emails that you would not want anyone else to have seen. Right, right. Hmm. So it, it does, do these laws also go to, I guess it would go to if I have my computer, but everything is up in the cloud, you know, I mean, that's, that's another thing, to have my everything that I would have up in the cloud, whether it's a different cloud than Facebook or, or one of the social networks or LinkedIn, you know, I could then um, mention even that, that I want that cloud to be deleted, right? That's yeah. correct. And I ideally, think, your yeah, that's a, that's a big fiduciary, yeah. when they go to execute your will, yeah. will abide by that. So when, whenever I look at the state laws, one of, and, and these state bills that are moving, one of the things that I look to first is, how does that state bill treat the terms of service agreement? And by terms of service agreement, that is the, you know, I agree button that you click when you join up with a service provider. Right, right, which most and people don't even read. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll agree with you there. Most people don't read it. And... But, you know, you click I agree, but then you go in and, and you get to do these individual settings. Or maybe, maybe you know that a service provider like Yahoo will delete everything when you die, and you want that to happen when you die. So in Delaware, those terms of service agreements into which you enter are void. Wow. And uh-huh. so the users who specifically go to Yahoo because they know they'll delete everything they lose that right. Or if I go in today and set my privacy settings in my Google Inactivity Account Manager to delete everything when I die and the law goes into effect tomorrow, those choices are obliterated. Mm. What I like to think is that users, in general, if, if they're anything like me, they write a will and then they just put it in a filing cabinet or a safe deposit box and never really look at it again for a very long time. Right. However, when you're signing up with these services or today after your, you, your listeners hear this, they think, oh, I'm going to go activate these settings on my Facebook or my Yahoo account. They're more likely to do that and make those changes than they are to update a will. Yes. So right. most likely the agreement that you have with your service provider is the one that you want, and it's the one that should control. So whenever I look at these bills, I think that they should respect the terms of service agreements first and then look to the will. However, Delaware is written upside down. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Huh. So let's talk a little bit about, how about online banking? You know, what are the rules with regard to family access to those accounts? So those, the family access to online banking operates the same as it would with corporeal banking. So just because I open up a PNC bank account doesn't mean my money is no longer digital. I can still go to a PNC bank. I can still withdraw physical cash. I can still even write out physical checks, even though that is becoming less common. 
So the good news is, with respect to online banking and online transactions, those rules remain the same. So, you know, when I die, my wife can go to PNC Bank with a copy of the death certificate and, and the other appropriate documentation, just like she would have 20 years ago. And she will be able to close out the account, withdraw the money, and or have it transferred. Okay. Now, there is the question of identifying those bank accounts, because as we move into paperless statements, that sometimes becomes a bit more difficult. Right. The good news is what's called the outside of the envelope information isn't really covered by ECPA. So the outside of the envelope information is the to and from lines on the outside of the envelope. So what can happen is when I die, you know, my wife can put in a request to see, you know, with whom I was trans uh, communicating, and, and she'll see, oh, Carl, ha Carl was t got an email from PNC Bank. I should go talk to PNC Bank and, you know, go close out that account. That way we can help families and fiduciaries identify the accounts and close them out. Right. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge with everything out there in the cloud and people not getting their paperwork, so it doesn't even come to the mailbox, and it, that could be a challenge. So let's go back a little bit to that Delaware law, because uh, you had said that the Uniform Laws Commission helped craft the Delaware law. What is that Uniform Laws Commission? So the Uniform Laws Commission is a group of state-selected commissioners. Uh, California has four or five, and they get together and they come up with model legislation. For the attorneys in the audience, they might be familiar with the Uniform Commercial Code. Right. That, right. that we all had to kind of figure out how that works for purposes of passing the bar exam. <laughs> the Uniform Commercial Code is one of the biggest successes of the Uniform Laws Commission. They drafted a, a code and they were successful in getting it passed in every state. Most of the other legislation that they've drafted has not been quite so successful. But regardless, you know, they, they, they work hard and, and they generally do good work. So the Uniform Laws Commission created a committee to analyze the issue of what happens to digital accounts when they die. And, you know, it's much in the same way that I would when, if, if I were staffing, they thought to themselves, who are the best people to talk and create laws about what happens when we die. And they decided it's going to be the trust and estates attorneys. They're in the best position mm -hmm. to decide what should happen to our digital accounts when we die. Hmm. And so they staffed the committee full of trust and estates attorneys. Unfortunately, the nuances and the differences that I explained earlier between electronic communications versus tangible communications are substantially different and we use them in substantially different ways. So the committee that was formed by the ULC, the Uniform Laws Commission, of trust and estates attorneys decided to make their lives as easy as possible by creating a bill that gives them essentially unfettered access to our private communications when we die. Right, right. So, and right. and I'd, I'd worked with the Uniform Laws Commission, and they were very welcoming to hear our concerns and, and the concerns of uh, online service providers. Unfortunately, you know, we had to part ways when we decided that privacy should be paramount 
and the trust and estates attorneys felt that access should be paramount. Mm. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, a, a California bill, since we're here in California. Tell us about SB 849, and what would that bill have done? So SB 849 uh, is a bill that is based and builds upon an existing Rhode Island law. So an 11-year-old Rhode Island law sponsored by the chief judge of the Providence Probate Court. So this is clearly a guy who's got experience dealing with people who die and disposing of, of estates. So this Rhode Island sponsor created a bill, and SB 849 mirrors it brilliantly. The goal of SB 849 is to balance all of the conflicting interests at, at play here. First is the privacy interests of the deceased. Second is the needs of the bereaved. And third is this federal law, which I mentioned earlier, ECPA, the Electronic Communications Privacy Act, which really ties the hands of online service providers. So in California, when you die, you go to probate court, and you are literally given a fillable form. Uh, most people are accustomed to seeing it in a PDF form where you put in your name, social security number. It's not too dissimilar from a you know, tax form or a form you fill out at the doctor's office. It's very boilerplate. So what 849 would have done is added a small box on that form so that when you go and fill out this form with the probate court, you are getting a court order designating you as the executor, as an agent under the Electronic Communications Privacy Act. That way the online service providers can provide this information without violating federal law. At the same time, you indemnify the online service provider from all liability and complying with such order, and that makes sense. So if I'm getting all of Mari's emails, I should be the one taking on all the risk because I'm taking on all of the benefit. Right. So what this does, is it really just helps to remove a lot of the legal ties. But at the same time, what SB 849 looks to first is the terms of service. So this is, as I mentioned, the Delaware law flips this on its head. SBA 49 puts it right side up, where your terms of service agreement and your privacy choices that you use and set on your online services control, as they should, because they're the ones that you most recently activated. They're the ones that you most recently had an interaction with. And that's, so, that's going to be really important for people who don't pay attention to those kinds of, you know, those kind when they sign up for an account that they don't pay attention to the privacy policies or the changes in terms of service. So that really puts that on the consumer to to make sure we do that and and really for the online services to make it easy to read and understand. I I agree. And you know, one, one of the things that I like to say is that it's important to remember that online services are relatively new. Uh, there, there are a lot of bills, and, and to, to address this issue, and everyone's rushing to, to move everything online, but, you know, the iPad's only four years old, and the iPhone's only seven years old, and Google 
while it's ubiquitous, isn't even old enough to vote. <laughs> and, and, and these are really humbling thoughts, yeah. especially with how pervasive the Internet is with our lives. Right. And when the engineers and essentially college students were creating these online services, they really weren't thinking about users' end of life. So they didn't necessarily bake in a lot of this technology into these tools. However, as I mentioned at the top, the good news is that we are moving quickly to give consumers the choice, controls, and privacy settings that they have come to need, want, and expect. Well, that is a perfect way to end because we are just out of time now. So why don't you give your website so people can find out more about what you do and your organization, and, uh, and then it'll be time to go. Great. Well, listeners can find out more information at netchoice.org, N-E-T-C-H-O-I-C-E.org. And NetChoice is an e-commerce trade association of leading online e-commerce companies. Terrific. And we will have you back again, Carl. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org. On the net, I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here on KUCI and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy where you can see our upcoming guests, download podcasts, and listen to archived interviews. Also, write us emails about what's important to you about privacy in the information age. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.